Hello and welcome to Expired XP, a podcast by Twitchy Max and Eustace Viking. In return for listening to this podcast, we promise to introduce you to old games that are new to you, introduce you to some facts, and hopefully entertain you along the way. We will also throw in a healthy dose of nostalgia, which has been proven by science to be good for you. Every week, we talk about past games from across the eons, all the way back to the dawn of time, the 1970s. We'll interview guests from the industry and explore what inspired them to get into games. Eustace Viking and I will talk about our own experiences and we'll have fun along the way. At some point, we might get some listeners, and if we do, we'll take on your suggestions to talk about your games. Welcome to the Twitchy Max and Useless Viking podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you? You're looking suspicious. I, I'm feeling suspicious. I've actually had... I'm in a good mood today, actually, because I've had a good gaming week. I've had some wins. Yeah. And I've had lots of fun with Mrs. Twitchy Max playing computer games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what I kind think, of games is Mrs. Twixy Max into? Well, Mrs. Twitchy Max doesn't call herself a gamer. No. But she is. She just plays very different games. She thinks that a gamer is someone sat in front of a computer yeah. with a mouse and a keyboard playing a first-person shooter or sat on a PlayStation doing some kind of platform stuff or on a Nintendo. Yeah. The games she plays are on her mobile. Oh, yeah. But they're not any less valid than the games that I play. They're no. just very different. Um, so she loves Covet, and she got to be really good at it, and was in the like, top of the weekly charts in the UK when we lived in the UK after our first summer. I've never one. heard of this game, but okay. Well, you wouldn't, because it's not designed for you. So the, the yeah. premise of Covet is that you have these models, and you get to dress them, and they have a certain style. Uh, so it could be like fairy princess that uh, a brief that you have to dress them for cool you dress them yeah and then other people who play the game rate you oh, yeah. and it's it's just a, a a league table basically okay covet makes money by selling slots to clothing manufacturers so that you can use their clothes uh, yeah. yeah and that's how they make them the majority of the money they also have in in-house currency and stuff like that yeah, that you yeah. can buy but it's an interesting model it's not something that you and I would ever come across no. or hear of. Well, it's not targeted at us. It's not targeted at us. I she love lo- that. Yeah, and she loved it. And it was exactly what she enjoyed at the time. And it got her through like the kind of getting up, feeding the baby in the middle of the night. You know, she'd just be there on cover, playing cover whilst, whilst feeding Zach. So she really enjoyed that. And when she was younger as a teenager, she enjoyed games. Yeah. And one of the games that she really enjoyed was a little known game called The Secret of Monkey Island. Croker, which I haven't covered yet. No, no, we've not spoken about but it. I will. Sit rep, I never played it as a kid. Yeah, which is a joke. It's, it's an actual joke. It's an affront to anyone who grew up in that era. It's an affront to me. It's an affront to LucasArts. It shows how little uh, respect you have for Miss, Mrs. Twitchy Max, that you didn't mm. create yeah. that experience so you could share it. So here's, Do you think I'm here's, overloading it a little I, bit? No, I think you're a little bit privileged. Because I'd, I'd never even heard of it because I lived in the north of England and it was grim up north. Was it because and I didn't have a PC. I didn't have a PC or any means of playing playing it. Yeah. I had a Commodore 64 <laughs> until I was 42. Loser. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, ne- I never really came across it. And by the time I came across it, I was much older. Yeah. Um, so we started to play it on Saturday night. Oh, my God. And it was great. And The, the first jokes, one. The first one. Yeah. We started the first one online and then realised, because there's the emulators online yeah, that you yeah. can use. So we, we started uh, that one and then realised we couldn't save it. Yes. And also realised that we were getting into it. So yeah. we thought, we need to stop here. 
but Amazon Prime uh, Gaming, and we're on Amazon Prime because we, we subscribe yeah. to it for the movies, you can download it for free. Oh, crack up. I didn't yeah. even know that. It, okay. I didn't either. I saw uh, someone on Instagram pointed it out. and was like, wow, yeah. let's do that. So we did that and started playing it. And I love the humor. The yeah, humor this is, is why you can see why I'm like yeah. mortified because it's, it's our humor. We share humor. Obviously, yeah. otherwise we wouldn't be friends. It is so spot on. And I can just imagine it like an eight-year-old Richie would have been sitting there yeah. sniggering away. I, I was laughing out loud. There's this one moment where you come out of uh, Captain Smirk. Yeah. Um, you come out and he's teaching you how to be a pirate and how to fight. Yeah. And the premise in the game is that you have to insult each other and the best yeah. insults win. Yeah. And you come out of your training, the uh, main protagonist who's called... Guybrush Threepwood. Say that again. Guybrush Threepwood. Mighty pirate. Yeah, the mighty pirate. And he comes out and he says, oh, I'm feeling a bit ripped off by that transaction. That's kind of how you must feel right now. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's breaking the, yeah, the, for, the wall. Football, yeah. and, and he's saying that you must feel ripped off for buying this game. Yeah. It's just, and it's totally unexpected. I loved it. Yeah. I was belly laughing. Yeah. Uh, when that happened. And so who was playing it? Was you I, playing and she was watching well, it? Well, I was, I was playing it. So I was controlling the character, but she had the walkthrough. Yeah. Because we are middle-aged parents. We've got no time for grinding, yeah. right? We're not no. going to walk around try and figure stuff out we're going to look at the playthrough yeah play the playthrough and actually it's a really fun way of doing it because it's still a bit challenging i i just did that with monkey island 3 yeah exactly that with the walkthrough yeah because i was so... like i don't really either have the time yeah but the things that you do and the dialogue is so funny yeah and there's still elements that i did myself but if i felt like i was just struggling with it a bit immediately into the walkthrough yeah exactly that's exactly what we did and i I couldn't. I didn't know anything about the dynamics, and Leanne couldn't remember exactly what we needed to do. She kind of remembered bits, but yeah. she, she didn't quite remember it all. Yeah, she was reading it through and telling me what to do, and she's like, "No, you need to do this. No, you're doing it wrong. You need to do that." And like, we work it out together. But it was such good fun, and she such loved it. Such a good game, man. And she remembered the humor and loved the humor as well. So yeah. she she was going back to her eight year old self yeah. and remembering how funny it was. And the fact that it's still funny to a 44-year-old man is brilliant. Were you playing the remastered version? You know there's a remastered version. Yeah, I was yeah. playing the remastered version because I couldn't find the original graphics version yeah. on Amazon Prime. And as you know, I use a Mac, so I was, I was yeah, struggling. Yeah. Uh, I've got an old laptop that would manage to, to run Windows. And it was the remastered version. So you still had point and click to move around. And you had to cycle the mouse through the controls. Yeah, but yeah. Apart from that, everything else is the same. The only well, the only thing that's different is that he's actually speaking. Yeah, yeah. And he has a really annoying American accent. Now, there's nothing that I don't have anything against Americans. Sounds like you do, but sure, go on. But he's got this kind of little whine in his voice that's a bit annoying. Oh yeah. If you want to feel even better, it's this, I'm pretty sure it's the same voice actor throughout all the remasters. Okay. But I've kind of got beyond that now and I'm kind of really enjoying it. Yeah. So two and three. I think three is... I can't remember if it's... Mm. I think three is known... The first one is just like outstanding. Yeah. And the second one is great. And then I think third was the the last one that was great before Telltale Games did mm. a, like a fifth one. The right. fourth one is like, don't even play it. Because okay. what happened there was they decided to do like... 3D graphics because 3D graphics had just started but that means that the 3D graphics are so bad and there's no reason for it mm. and it and because in those days you didn't really 
I don't think people really had understood how they need to position cameras and stuff either with 3D. Uh, yeah. So it made for a very, very Mario awkward 64 experience. Mario hadn't come out. Yeah. And the, I think, the, I'm not even sure if uh, the original crew, like Ron Gilbert and those guys yeah. were even involved at that stage. Yeah. Uh, if they were, maybe they were supervising, but it just mm. felt like the humor wasn't there. It wasn't similar. It had lost its touch. Mm. But, I mean, what you and, and Mr. Twitchy Max have got to look forward to is obviously playing through the secret monkey island because it's genius yeah but so is the curse of monkey island mm. and the revenge of the yeah. chuck whatever it's called like so, they're all yeah so good. i love i love the i've only got to the first bit with the chuck in but i still like the bad guy and the humor on the bad guy yeah and i think what we're going to do is every saturday night we're just going to play it yeah and we're just going to sit on the sofa because we're not going yeah, out yeah. and having fun you know we've got young kids <laughs> yeah. um we'll stay in and have fun instead that's exactly it. And, we'll, and we'll play that game and we'll enjoy it and I think this is such an important thing we should just say and I hope that a lot of you guys are. I feel like I don't have kids yet but I think like being an adult and being a parent has a bad rap because it's as fun as you make it like oh, we, we exactly, definitely yeah. have more obligations hmm. as grown ups or adults or whatever you call it and there's stuff we have to do that we might not enjoy hmm. but the reality is we can 100% still love the stuff that we loved as a kid and that we still love hmm genuinely just embrace that and and kind of i don't know just like i think it's perfectly fine to spend an entire saturday night with a glass of wine playing monkey island and just laughing and remembering how it feels to be an eight-year-old you're gonna remember that more than a box set on netflix 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. and i keep saying this to uh mrs useless viking as well soon to be mrs useless viking we're technically not married yet i keep saying to her us sitting and watching a tv show or a movie where we don't really interact. There's no conversation really, maybe a few comments here or there or whatever, but not, not as much versus us when we're playing a game, especially if it's a two player mm. one, but even yeah. when it's a single player one and one of us is like, I'll, mm. I'll watch Steph. I've been watching Steph play Ratchet and Clank because I'm so close to the end that I'm scared of finishing it. So I don't want to finish it because it's an amazing game. So I want her, so she started playing and she loves it. Mm. So I've been watching her play it, which did cause me a bit of seasickness because her camera's all over the show and she's trying to run around in the beginning. But it's stabilized a bit now. Mm. But I love that. Like yeah. watching her game her game and play that mm. and being able to give it a bit of advice and see how she reacts to elements and you talk. Well, you know what's coming. So you can think, oh, wow, this is going to be amazing. How yeah. is she going to react to it? Yeah. And I, I love that. And I think, you know, there's, there's a room for one player games playing that co-op because there's so many big open world games out there now where you could waste your entire time doing the wrong thing so it's good to yeah. have a buddy next to you or to be that buddy yeah and actually help them along and do it together as a team i yeah. love that my my problem is that mrs twitch max isn't always willing to do that yeah. or we're playing something like fortnite which which is very uh, different construct which right? is fair enough you can't spectate fortnite although she does help us a lot doesn't she because she warns us about the storm. This is true. I mean, we we've got a couple. The of most Vic Royales elements, because she said, "What about the storm?" The most obvious element of Fortnite, which <laughs> is still eluding us a good year later. Yeah. Not a good year. Six months in your case. I think it's about mm. ten months for me. Started playing it during lockdown with Steph's younger brother. We still get surprised. There are still mm. games where we get completely <laughs> caught offside by the fact that there's yeah. a storm that we have to flee from. And that joke never gets old. The amount yeah. of times Marcus says, why do they keep adding these, these new, new game, new mechanics. game mechanics that yeah. are so annoying? He says it pretty much every game we play. And I laugh at every game 
that he says it because it still is funny to me. Yeah. The fact that it's just like the most basic thing in the game we can't get yeah. past it. So we should probably do a bit of a Fortnite update, really, because we've had some good matches this week. What have been the Fortnite highlights for you this week? My Fortnite highlight was getting Chris into Fortnite. Yeah. So I'll make Chris. We got a, mm. So basically what happened was, to cut a very long story short, started, I started playing Fortnite with Steph's younger brother, who's a lot younger than her, during lockdown in New Zealand, um, which was last year. And uh, it was, I had a lot of fun playing with him and his mates. Because mentally, I'm still like a nine-year-old. From that, I guess I realized that I the thing that didn't annoy me a little bit, sorry, Jamie, is four or five nine-year-olds in a Fortnite game is quite full-on when you're not nine. I learned that. So I realized I needed to seek out people around me to see if I actually could get some people who would be willing to, uh, who would be willing to play Fortnite with me. Yep. And I think you were the first person who I did a soft sell to I'm honoured yeah I'm honoured and I don't know how you genuinely felt about it from the beginning before you'd played it if you'd have you how much did you know about it had you tried I had tried playing it before actually I'd tried playing it before but my piece by myself ah yeah when it first came on the scene and people were buzzing about it at work and people were talking about it I played it my PC wasn't really up to it so Mm. there was a bit of bit of lag and I'm not great at first-person shooters. Which it isn't, but yeah. Oh, what would you call it then? It's a third-person shooter. Third-person. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. It is third-person, yeah. Okay. So That's the main reason why I call it The thing is, I call that first-person because that's how I lead my life, right? I think that I'm kind of like... Above yourself. Above myself, watching yeah. what's happening. Um, great. <laughs> that's my excuse for yeah. being so for stupid. For not knowing the difference between a first-person yeah. and a third-person shooter. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, no, you go for it, man. Credibility is not important to me. No, no. Clearly... <laughs> <laughs> so I binned it then um, didn't yeah. play it for a while one of the things that I've really loved in the past though is playing with mates back in the day a few of my friends at work and we all got into World of Warcraft yeah. and we played together and I loved it so much because there were four of us we all had different roles we were just mucking around trying yeah. to level up and it was just great good fun you know we all had a common purpose you know we were doing quests yeah and it was just fun working together yeah. and it was always carnage and we were always all making mistakes but it didn't matter because we were having fun that's why when someone asks me do you want to play a game i'm like yeah i'm in i'm in because i want to have fun and that's the way we play fortnite right yes it is we do, 100%. you know we're, we're happy if we get a vic royale we're, we're ashamed yeah if we get below 35 yeah for obvious for, reasons for very good reasons yeah very good reasons because we should actually, probably talk about yeah we should yeah. so we figured this out right basically what happened was there was a game where you there was a glitch and you got yeah. dropped into the sea but Way I got dropped that. into the sea about 10 kilometers yeah. away from the yeah. island so I <laughs> spent the, the whole game swimming back to the island it was the most obscene glitch yeah. I think I've ever seen you just you were thousands of meters away mm. from me out in sea and I spent the entire game running towards you mm. To try to save you, or at least get to where you were. Yeah. Jumped into the sea and started swimming towards you, for both, basically for both of us to get caught in the storm. Yeah. And then subsequently die. Yeah. And so you picked up my game attack. Yes, correct. And started making my way back. Yeah. Yep. And then died. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we realized we still became, we still got thirty-fifth. Yeah, so we we were in the top thirty five percent of the game. Top, yeah, bearing in mind we spent most of the time in the water or yeah. in the storm. Yes, 
So that's our benchmark. If yeah. we if we play a game and we get sixty or something like that, me and Chris had fifty four on the weekend. That was that was yeah. shameful. And you we felt ashamed, did you? Yeah, we did. We yeah. all shamed. Yeah, because Chris now knows the system as well and why. Yeah. So now everybody knows. All of our mates now know the system and why. And so it was a solid fifty fourth, yeah. and that is shameful. It's shameful, but it's funny. It is funny, right? And that's <laughs> the happens. thing, because we laugh it at it. We laugh at it, because yeah. we don't take it seriously. None of us take it seriously. We're all just mates playing and having fun. Mm. And that comes back to that. I mean, I, I feel like we're kind of in general talking about co-op. And yeah. I think it's come back. I felt like there was a few years which were very... Like, they were, I was really in agony for about five to six years when I guess it was the battlefields and the Call of Duties became almost solely focused on multiplayer, but not mm. like really cult multiplayer either. It's mm. just like everybody just wants to kill each other. Nobody's really working together as a cohesive team. Yeah. Um, at least as a layman, that's how mm. it felt. Like I get that there are teams that play these professionally together against each uh, other mm. teams. I get that. I get yeah. that. But for us who are playing it, that's not how it felt. It just mm. feels like you're on your own pretty much and you're just getting shot left, right and center every yeah. two seconds and it's no fun. And you and I have, to be fair, we've tried to branch out into other games but we find the we same thing. We come back to Fortnite. We do, we? because the other ones are just... The fun element isn't really there, and the skill element is so much more focused. Yeah. And we want to do both. We want to have fun. I'd love to play a Star Wars game, which wasn't Battlefront, where you and I could co-op, mm. and we could run around like in an open world. Well, we can't co-op like on Battlefield, on um, Battlefront, because after 10 minutes, we're completely... Annihilated. Annihilated and like emotionally drained. Yeah. Because it's too intense. That's exactly it. Yeah. So it's not fun for us. I get it's that it's not, not probably targeted at us either. Yeah. But, so, but the co-op component of Fortnite for us has been a, yeah. a strong thing. And we play... Like, let's be honest, once we've recorded a, these podcasts, you and I usually go and sit and do some yeah, split do, screen yeah. on the couch. We do, yeah. And then, and then we play it during the week and it's very casual. It's whoever can make it can make it. There are no mm. set times. There's no pressure for anyone to make it i think that makes it enjoyable well there's no pressure for anyone to do well or to do well yeah no you're right yeah and And that's important right yeah i i actively avoid people um (laughs) gamers who want to be competitive because i i don't have the time i don't have the time or the will i just want to have fun gaming should be fun it should be fun that's that's what it was like when we were kids it was fun yeah you're right as soon as it turns into something and Overly competitive. I'm not interested. Now, other people find that fun, but I don't. That's true. I'm not. You, right. I don't have the time to invest to get amazing at it, but I do have the time to have fun, and I'm always up for that. So, talking about fun, though, we've got a lovely pre-recorded session about a wicked game, which we're going to play for you now. Useless Viking. Yes. Introduce us to this new game that we're going to talk about today it is it feels like a new game i say that because it's had several iterations through its lifetime because that's how good of a game it is um but i'm going to bring you back to 1991 1991 yes and actually this game was actually built on amiga and ported to c64 and pc that's how how awesome of a game it was and at this time in 1991 just to set the scene a little bit the stuff i would have been listening to is uh enter sandman by metallica i've been listening to losing my religion by rem november rain by guns and roses I was kind of a guy who just listened to anything really that was on radio, I think. On TV, I'd been watching Dinosaurs, absolutely, if you remember that, Jim Dinosaurs. Henson's Dinosaurs. It was like a, a sitcom show with fully created, articulated dinosaur 
puppets. Like married in, with children, but with dinosaurs. Exactly like yes. that. Okay, I think I remember it. Great show, a lot of political commentary and all kinds of stuff for grown-ups in it, which I think I missed at that stage in 1991 because I wouldn't have been old enough to understand it. But on a rewatch, I definitely got that. Adventures of Tintin, or Tintin as he is called in English, uh, came out as a cartoon series then. Please don't ever say that again. Tintin. Yeah, please don't okay, say well, that again. Say Tartan, I guess. It wasn't actually that impressive. That was the entire list of things I could think of. There were tons of shows that I know failed miserably, and a lot of them just looked god-awful. But those are the things I would have definitely watched. I would have watched Hot Shots as well. And Hot and, Shots! Yeah. I mean, what a, ga- what, a, what a game, I was going to say. What a movie. With Charlie Sheen, Beauty and Beast came out in 1991, as did Naked Gun, two and a half. Did you watch that? Yeah, I did, yeah. So that came out in the same year. And, Classic. And uh, Last Boy Scout. So I think, and, and T2, I should mention Terminator 2. I'm not sure I would have watched it then. I think I probably wouldn't. I think I might have watched it a year or two later, but mm. I do remember the T2 game. But I'm actually talking about Lemmings. <laughs> and just, I'm going to give you the chills here, Richie, because like, this is the C64 intro of Lemmings. I just want to play this for you because this I think this might bring back some memories so we can talk about this more easily. Hey, hey. I mean, it, it's it's brought the chills, the kind of shiver down the spine back, actually, because I do remember the music, but I've not heard it since back in the day. No. The thing that surprised me the most out of what you've said, though, is that it was ported to Commodore 64. Yeah. I only ever played it on the PC at my dad's friend's house. Oh, Okay. I never played it on the Commodore 64. And okay. I had no idea that it was even a thing on the Commodore 64. I thought yeah. it was far too... Uh, sophisticated. Or... Sophisticated, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for it to be able to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was on C64, which is... Did you play it on C64? So I can't remember if I played it on C64 or Amiga 500. I'm quite sure I played it on C64. I mean, it was quite late in the life cycle of me having a C64. I'm not sure if I would have had an Amiga by then. Mm. Potentially I would have. But even the fact that it got ported to C64 to me is amazing. And it just kind of says how, A, how good of a game it was. Um, and I, the reason why I think it was ported to C64 was I think it was in the switch over between Commodore and Amiga. And I think Commodore was still the powerhouse. So you did mm. it for the sales. So as soon as they realized it was a big hit, they were like, well, we've got to port it to the one of the video game systems that is the one of the biggest ones. Okay. And so they got ported to C64. It was made by a, a group of people called DMA Design in Dundee in Scotland. Never heard of them, but no, they but did a really good job. They did a, an absolutely outstanding job. And it is really funny, right? Because the amount, and we talked about this, I think, previously as well, that there are so many developers that we just wouldn't know about that developed games, but we do know, we will know the people who published it because it was Psygnosis. Ah, yes. Yeah, so it was published by Psygnosis, but they didn't actually build it. And even more interesting is that the it's actually the first game that these developers did. For Were they design- straight out of uni, straight out of school? No, Were so they bedroom developers? Or? No, they, they'd kind of, they played around with what I can only describe as a graphical concept. Uh, that's kind of how it's described of these little tiny creatures. I think they just formed as a studio. Like it was it was literally developed by the first guy who got got hired into the game development studio. So they, that's okay. how that's yeah. how fresh they were. And I think he'd created like a little animated GIF thing or something similar to that with a little creature. And after a while, it got called a lemming. It wasn't actually originally a lemming. It was just a thing. Hmm. And I mean, and they, if you look at them, they don't actually really look like lemmings. Nothing. Lemmings are not green. No, they do not have green hair. They do not have blue dresses or whatever you want to call it. And they don't parachute in from the sky. But I mean, the game itself, for those who haven't played it, first off, you should. 
like pick it up. There are ports for PC and and I'm sure Mac and you'll much. be able to play it online on an yeah. online simulator. Yeah, and it's really good fun. It's one of those games that. It doesn't really matter that it's old. No, not at it's all. It's not right? about the graphics. No. It's like Tetris and those things. It's it's a puzzle-solving game in the sense that you have these little, well, they call them lemmings, parachuting out from the sky, and you quickly ha- have to ascertain the terrain that they land in. So it's a t- two-dimensional game. They can be assigned different tasks that they can do. So you've got diggers, builders, miners... Blockers, um, the blockers. ones that stood up with their yep. arms out that couldn't yep. move. Yep, Step Stop, builders. Stops them coming off an edge of an a edge. cliff. Totally. Yeah. Because the environment is filled with pitfalls, traps, volcanoes, lava, water. And the idea is you have to meet a minimum threshold of how many lemmings you move from point A to point B where there's a door. And this was a great part of the game because you had to save all your lemmings. And if you started with 100 lemmings... And if you lost your lemmings, that's how many lemmings you started with the next level. So you could get halfway through the game and realize you only had 20 lemmings left, which meant that you couldn't actually complete that level. So and you would rem- only find that out then. See, I don't remember that, but that makes sense if that's how they did it, that there actually was a Because I know they had a threshold of how many you had to save for each level. But maybe it was a carryover as well. Mm. I don't actually it remember that. It was a that's, carryover. That's, I remember that. Because you genius. get to level 17 and you'd be like, and you think you were doing really well. Yeah. And then you'd realize that you need actually, all I these need lemmings, lemmings that you lost to survive on level and 30. And, and, and this is, this is going to kick you. It was made in deluxe paint for Amiga. Both the lemmings and the levels. So talk to me about deluxe paint. So deluxe paint is like paint for MS Windows. Kind of that level of of brilliance but it was mm. like the preferred uh, paint tool for Amiga and to be fair Amiga was a graphical tool before I, I think at the same time as the Mac was becoming a designer platform a lot mm. of people did use Amiga uh, who were in the graphical industry because right. it was very much a designer's dream in the sense of the software and stuff like that so there were a lot of creative people that used Amiga as a platform for a very long time but apparently it was completely built in deluxe paint which I Still don't understand what that even means. Like, how did you build that game? Well, they must have built the graphics in that game. The graphics yeah. were supported by a whole load of code in the background. Yeah. The the thing that really, I think, is exceptional in this game is the level design. Because they would have had to have worked out the, the progression of the puzzles throughout the game. Because they got mm. harder and harder, but they couldn't make it too hard because that would screw up a later level. So they must have had some kind of idea of the challenges yep. that you were set and the order in which they needed to happen for you to get to the end. So it's, it's, it's funny that you should talk about how they did the levels because one of the things I read about was, uh, and doing my homework on this obviously, was that they used to send the levels to Psygnosis for testing. Mm. And then they'd get faxes back with the solutions. A fax, brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. they'd get a fax and it would have scribbles all over it to show you how they'd solved it. And most of them they solved quite quickly, but there were ton- tons of them where uh, that clearly it was a lot harder and it took them additional faxes to actually send through before they could have mm. solved it. And the developer described it as, this is what we were striving for while we were designing the levels and it gave us all the warm, fuzzy feelings inside. So that was what they wanted was this, when, when Psygnosis guys couldn't really complete the level the way they mm. hoped to do yeah that was a big deal for them and that's that's kind of the interaction that they had between oh, them good. and the yeah. publisher almost competitive yeah and i remember playing the game and you would really feel it when your lemming started to die so when they yeah. walked off a cliff yeah and they fell into something yeah and they're 
um, and you just saw one after another after another go and you knew that you were in trouble. You felt for those lemmings. They were your children. Totally. You know? Absolutely. You cared for them. And and, yeah. and you really didn't want to lose more than you had to. You knew you were going to have to leave a few behind because mm. like blockers yeah. you couldn't unblock. So yeah. once they were standing there and they were blocking, you'd use them up. Yeah. Whereas a builder, for example, or a digger, they could actually continue yeah, on. And they carried on walking. Yeah. yeah. There was always that element of... It was never no lemmings left behind because there were always some lemmings left behind. But the other interesting thing about the level design was that out of the three or four uh, kind of designers of the game, they all had very specific styles of doing um, their levels. So one of the guys loved doing pop culture kind of references to movies and stuff. One of the guys was very much into traps and landmines and and intricacies like that. And another one was more about terrain and, and kind of like puzzle box solving. So they all had really different styles. So when they were building the levels and they completed them, they kind of mixed up the orders of the levels as well so that you would have one developer's first, you know, the guy who was kind of like Mm. referencing a movie or whatever. And the next one would be, say, the guy who really loves doing puzzle boxes. And then the next one would be another type. So that's how they developed the levels. So each one of them was responsible for a a, number of levels per developer. It's just such a... Like when you hear those kind of stories and that's how they built the game, the fact that they was one person per level in itself is really funny mm. but it makes sense right because it does yeah a, a puzzle like that doesn't make sense for multiple people to try to c- combine and work on but it's just such a warm fond memory i remember the box art on the on the games lemming saw multiple iterations it came out in multiple versions it was definitely heralded as one of the best games that came out of the 90s mm. um it was so well received and such a fun kind of almost I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not mindless in the same way of patience or something like that that you kind of sit and click around but it had that clickability where you're just sitting and clicking and selecting stuff mm. and- it's one of the games that my dad actually was a little bit interested in and my dad was incredibly immune to the enjoyment of computer games he was a very outdoorsy guy he still is i thought you were going to say frivolity no no the frivolity of gaming that he was against the frivolity of gaming. no no uh but he he didn't get it but lemmings he kind of it started to suck him in and his friend from when he was much younger who is still friends with played it and he was obsessed by it and his kids were obsessed by it and he wanted to get to the end of the game he eventually managed it i I didn't clock the game i don't think i did either i think i I got quite far yeah. I think they had 100 levels or something. It yeah, was an, had it, it was I think astounding. it had 100 levels, yeah. Yeah, it was I an amazing it number. And it was just one of those games that people who weren't gamers liked. T- totally. And I think it was... What was great about it is that intro that we heard, that tempo that they had, they kept that throughout. Mm. And they played a lot of famous classical music, kind of. They did kind of versions of different famous classical songs on each level. And each level had its own music from recollection. And I remember reading as well that they said that uh, originally, originally they had copyrighted songs that they used, but mm. apparently it was right in that era where fair use was starting to kind of be a little bit uh, under the lens of yeah. authorities because of gaming, mm. in particular gaming, where people had been taking liberties with not really caring about what music they used and so on. So they made them re-record it all and do like different versions that were similar to originals of songs and stuff, which is quite mm. funny. So even though they did use some pieces of kind of classical music and things in the in there a lot of it was also cobbled together from semi to avoid uh, litigation for copyrighted songs which is really funny yeah that is funny but that, it's it got to the point there where people were thinking about that it was an industry that totally was worth going for yeah it absolutely big, yeah. yeah so lemmings uh can't recommend it enough great game 
lots of fun for all the family i'd say anyone can play it it had tons of different iterations afterwards as well so um definitely go for the first one i think the first i think the purest one yeah it is absolutely and Mm. probably the only one where psychonosis delivered notes on faxes yeah on each level i I think so yeah and (laughs) actually i can't think of any game that is similar to lemmings now it was very unique very of its time, but yeah, you're right. also there's nothing like it. I'm sure there would have been clones at the time and they would have died a miserable death because it yeah. didn't have the soul of Lemmings. Lemmings had, it was fun. There was a, a twink in the eye. There was like a twink in the eye, a twink, a, twink, a, a twinkle. twinkle in the eye. Thank you. This is my Swedish side coming through sometimes when I get quotes wrong. I'll, tr- I'll try to use a Swedish quote in English translated in my head and say it to Richie. Please You'll probably get confused. Um, but not a twink in your eye, but a twinkle in your eye. You know, it, it, it felt like... And just for them talking about the fact that they got the warm, fuzzy feeling when Psygnosis had trouble with with a level and it took them a while to figure it out. Like, that's the kind of people you want. Mm. And actually, one of the the people I admire most as an individual game-developing personality is Sid Meier. And Sid Meier is famously of civilization fame and pirates and all of that kind of stuff. He plays games until they're fun. And he develops, like, he will literally play them and play them until he loves them. And he is the biggest advocate for games having to be fun. And let's be honest, there are a lot of games today that are not a lot of fun. They're not fun to play. They are either money-grabbing games, yeah, uh, and all they want is your yeah. wallet. They prey on your human condition to try and manipulate you to give you money. Yes. Especially ones that you have a phone. Yep. Lemmings is just Pure fun. joy. Pure yeah. joy. Through and through. Great, great time to be alive, 1991. And as we said as well, like, you know, couldn't go wrong with a Naked Gun and Hot Shots that year either. No. Backdraft was, also came out that year. I don't know if you ever saw Backdraft. that. Backdraft. Yeah. Did you oh, see that? Oh, that's an awful film. <laughs> awful film. Yeah. I had to mention it, though, because I do remember watching it. I, yeah. I don't It was know. big at the time. It was massive. It's a footnote. It is a footnote, in, a footnote. In, in the history of films. It but okay. look, 1991 was a great year to be alive because of Lemmings, and that's all I've got to say. Okay. That's a good note to finish on. That was a great note to finish on. Next time on Expired XP, we're going to include some Ascent and Fortnite talk, and our featured game is the LucasArts classic, Maniac Mansion. If you enjoyed or hated this episode, please let us know by leaving us a review. You can follow TwitchyMax and UselessViking on Instagram, or contact us at the Expired XP website. We would really love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.